Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. I want to tell you that I am so, so glad and proud of you. Last week after the service, they left a big stack of papers from you that you committed to fasting. And I've just been enjoying um, reading through them. I've been praying for you. If you filled one of those out uh, and you've committed to fasting, uh, I want you to know that I've been praying for you. If you didn't get a chance of filling one out, we put one in your bulletin. So the top part, you put your name, you write that you're committing one prayer that you would want me to uh, partner with you in praying, and then you turn that in. And uh, I am going to be praying daily for you, daily. This morning, I walked into my office and I took time to pray for those, uh, for every person in those in those uh, petitions. So the bottom part, that's for you. You don't turn that in. The bottom part, it's for you. It's for you to write down what you're going to be fasting and praying for. Um, but I am so glad to see so many people fasting. Amen. I am so glad, especially to see so many people do it for the first time. If you're doing it for the first time, can you raise your hand? I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just thought it was very encouraging that I've seen many people that are doing it for the first time. Good job. Good job. Fasting is not easy, but it's worth it. Amen? I love what Paul said. He said, if you sow in the flesh, you will what? Reap in the flesh. But if you sow in the spirit, you will what? Reap in the spirit. In fasting, that is what we're doing. We're sowing. So if some of you are saying, I fasted a whole week, nothing has changed. My wife is grumpier. My kids are meaner. What's going on? You're planting a seed. You're planting it. A seed doesn't doesn't blossom overnight, right? So I just want to encourage you. Keep planting with the spirit, not with the flesh, because the flesh wants the chicken nuggets, the flesh wants the burger, the flesh wants the pupusas, but we're going to keep planting spiritual seed. Amen? If you did not start the fast, join us. It's not too late. Amen? We are one-third of the way. You can join us for the last two-thirds. If you started and gave up, pick up again today. Amen? Um, so I just wanted to tell you that I'm so encouraged by that. And uh, those that are fasting, we hope that uh, you would, uh, those that are watching online, I hope that you would also join us in fasting. Well, in your bulletin, if you would open it up, there's an outline. I want to invite you to take that out with me. We are in a series that we've titled Reset. Um, this, it's the name of the series. And uh, perhaps you may be asking, Pastor, why Reset? What's the whole idea? What's the whole purpose behind it? Well, let me say it to you this way. I believe that God is in the business of resets. I believe that God is in the business of new beginnings. Because the Bible tells us that when we come to Christ, we are made what? A new creation. There's a reset that happens, right? The Bible tells us that at the end of the age, that God is going to what? Make a new heaven 
and a new earth. He's going to reset everything. And not just that, but if you look at how God made time right now in my personal time and my Bible reading time, I'm going through the book of Genesis and I'm reading a book also called the, the, the first seven days of Genesis. And it talks about if the seven days were actual 24 hour days or periods or so forth. So I'm really engraved into Genesis right now. But when you look at the way God made time or our calendar, he made it, he made years, months, weeks, and days where things reset so that we are able to get a fresh start, a new beginning. The Bible tells us that his mercies are what? New every day, every morning, right? So God is into the business of newness, into new beginnings. God is into the business of resets. And not only is God into the business of resets, but we often need resets in our life. When we are not being as effective as we should. When things are not working out like they should. When our marriage is not headed in the direction that it should. When our spiritual life is not growing like it should. When our finances are not what they should. We need to hit reset. And we need a new beginning. We need to start again. So I thought that the beginning of the year was a great time to look at our lives and say, Let's hit a reset. Let's make sure that we get a new beginning so that we can make the best out of this year. And the one area that we've been talking about hitting a reset, doing a reset, getting a new beginning, is in our spiritual walk. It's in our spiritual habits, in our relationships with God. And here's a really good question. I thought about this. I don't know if you thought it, but why start with spiritual habits? Why start with our spiritual life? Well, let me give you two big reasons why. Number one, the first thing you are is a spiritual being. You are a spiritual being with a physical body, but you are a spiritual being and you will always be a spiritual being. So if we are to start with what matters, we have to start with what comes first, and that is our spiritual life. But not just that. Our spiritual life is the one area that has enormous impact on all the other areas. Look at this verse. I showed it to you last week, but look at what Paul writes to Timothy in his first letter, chapter 4, verse 7. Right there in your outlines. Look at what it says. It says, rather, train yourself for what? Godliness. In other words, discipline yourself to become closer to God. Work at being more mature spiritually. Work on your spiritual habits. He says, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in what? Every way. Tell that to, your, to the person next to you. Every way. Every area. Any area. And all areas. Right? Godliness is of value in every way. And look at this. As it holds promises for the present life and also for the life to what? To come. Listen, when you improve your spiritual life, every other area of your life is going to improve. There's no way that you could get closer to God and not be a better man. There's no way you could get closer to God and not be a better mother. There's no way you can get closer to God and not have better peace. There's no way you can get closer to God and not feel more secure about your identity. See, so when you work on your spiritual life, 
it impacts and it affects every other area. I said this to you last week and I want to repeat it to you again. It said the better and deeper your relationship with God is, the better and greater everything else will be. The better and deeper your relationship with God is, come on, can we be honest? You don't have to shout amen. You don't have to elbow somebody. But some of us, our year, our 2023 got bad because we walked away from the Lord. We distanced ourselves from the Lord. We weren't walking as closely or intimately or passionately with him as we should have. And if you can recall to the best times in your life is when you were the closest to the Lord. It's probably when as, as a marriage you were doing best, as a family you were more united, financially you were more, more uh, blessed as well. Because the closer you are to the Lord, the better everything else in your life will be. So how do we reset our spiritual habits? How do we reset our walk with the Lord? Through the practices, through the spiritual habits that we embark. And uh, look at what Matthew 6.33 says. This is going to be the verse of our series. Uh, like I said last week, I know it's a very well-known one, but um, I, I, I think it's, it's one that we need to keep reminding ourselves. And Matthew 6.33 says, but seek what? First. But seek what? First. First. His kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you what? As well. If we're going to reset our spiritual life, we need to put God first. God needs to be first. Not second, not third. God needs to be first. Now, what does it mean to put God first? Well, throughout this series, I'm going to give you different um, ways of looking at putting God first. So let, let, let me share one with you before we jump into today's spiritual habit. In the book of uh, Revelation, um, the Lord is writing to seven churches. And to the first church that he writes a letter to, it's the church of Ephesus. And to the church of Ephesus, he says, I know all that you've done. And he goes on to mention a lot of good things they've done. A lot of good things they've done. They have, very, they have many very good deeds. But then you come to verse 4, and here's what God has to say regarding this church. And he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have what? Left your first love. You're doing all these things right. You have the right theology. You're going to church right. You're dressing right. You're acting right. But I got one thing against you. And here's what God basically says. You don't love me first. Come on, somebody. Because, I mean, we all love God, right? But the question is not whether we love him. The question is whether we love him first. Is God really our first love? When we wake up, is he the first one in our mind? When we're going to make a big decision, is he the first we considered? When we think about how we go about our day, do we consider him? Because to put God first is to love God first. Now, listen, there's a couple of things God can't do. God can't lie. God, God can't sin. God can't be wrong. But another thing God can do is God can't be second. He can't be second. Who he is, there's certain things about who he is that don't allow him to do certain things like sin, like do wrong, like lie, or be second. 
Because God has always been first. Before there was anything else, there was God. He has always been first and he will never settle for being second. So to love God, to to put God first, is to love God first. So how do we work on on our relationship with the Lord? Through habits, through spiritual habits. Last week, we saw the first of these and we saw that we need to reset our consecration to God through fasting. That's what fasting is to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves aside to be able to get more of God. I love the passage where the Pharisees asked Jesus, the the religious leaders of that time asked Jesus, and they said, Jesus, how come your disciples don't fast? We fast, but how come they don't? And I love what Jesus said. Anybody remember? He says, they don't fast because I'm with them but I'm going to be taken away and then they will fast. See, it's in these words where you understand the purpose of fasting. Jesus said, they don't have to fast because I'm with them. I'm here. They have my presence. But when I'm taken away, they will fast to crave, to receive, to have more of my presence. So So we reset our spiritual life, number one, by consecrating ourselves aside through fasting to be able to receive more of God's presence. Today, I want to talk to you about the second habit that we need to reset. And the second habit that we need to reset is regarding our experience with the word of God. It has to do with how we relate with this book. Not what we think of it, not how we, what we know of it, but what our relationship with this book is. See, because most of us, we've been asked, how much Bible do you know? But I doubt that many of us have ever had to answer, what kind of relationship do we have with this book? What has your experience been with this book? Now, let me tell you one, let me give you one powerful verse just to show you how important and how powerful God's word is. Look at what Matthew 24, 35 says right there in your outlines. It says, heaven and earth will what? Pass away. But my word will what? If there's something that is going to remain throughout time, it's what? God's word. Now, why? Why is it that everything else will pass away, but not God's word? I'll tell you in just a minute, but you got to have that in the back of your pocket. What is it about God's word that makes it so faithful and so sustainable? See, if everything else is going to pass, if everything else can fail, if everything else has an end, but God's word doesn't, then we need to build our lives on God's word. We need to have a solid foundation. And see, there's great power in the word of God. But the sad part is that many people have not experienced the power of God's word in their life. They have not experienced it change their lives, change their marriages, change their relationships, change the way they think, change the way they go about a situation, change the way they feel. They know it has power. They may have even memorized a few verses, but they've never personally experienced the changing power that the word of God has to be able to make a difference in people's lives. And listen, God's word 
It's alive and active. And one of the main things that the word of God ought to do in our lives is not fill our head so that we become more religious. But it is touch our heart so that our lives are transformed and changed. That's what Paul wrote into the church of Thessalonica, Thessalonica in Thessalonians 2.13. Look at what it says right there. He says, we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God, which you've heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God. And look at this, which is what? At work in you who what? So here's a question. And when I ask questions, I want you to know that I'm not doing them to make you feel guilty. I'm getting them. I'm asking them to help you uh, uh, interact and to, 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 to bring some conviction in your life. Is the, work of God, is the word of God at work in your life? Is the word of God at work in your life? What was the last thing the word of God changed in your life? What, what could you point to and say, you know what? I've been doing this differently. I've been seeing this differently. I've been going about this differently because I read the word of God and it changed the way I saw things. Or, or I, used to, I used to participate of certain behaviors, but I don't because in my study of the word of God, I understood that it didn't please God. So I've changed that in my life. Is the word of God at work in your life? See, because here's the thing, and I hope you write this down. The effectiveness of the word of God is up to you. Not its truthfulness. Whether the word of God is true or not does not depend on you. It is true regardless whether you think it's true or not. But how effective it is depends on you. Depends on your relationship. Depends on how you experience it. And see, one of the things that we have to reset in 2024 if we want it to be our best year yet is that we have to reset how we experience the changing power that is in the word of God. I don't know about you, but I want every promise of God in my life. I want everything that God says to be true, to be true in my life. Don't you want that? So how, how can we experience how can we obtain this power that is in the word of God in our lives how do we do that well I'm glad you asked that I want to give you four steps to do that number one and you can fill this out in your outline (coughs) if you want to experience the power that's in God's word the first thing you need to do is you need to choose to read it sounds simple right so why don't we do it Now, notice that I said you have to choose to read it. Because I've said this many of times. What is the number one response we give to when we say, to when we're asked, how come you're not spending more time or any time in the word of God? And what do we say? I just don't have time. Well, you don't find time. You what? You make time. Listen, this is really simple. God's word cannot work in you if it's not in you. So if you want the power of the word of God to be at work in you, the first thing you got to do is get it in you. 
it's like medicine. If, you, if you're sick and they give you medicine, but you leave it in the shelf, what good does it do to you? Medicine becomes effective when what? When it gets in you. God's word will work in us when we what? When we get it in us. If you treat God's word as old medicine, it won't work. It won't have any effect in you. Look at what John 8, 31 and 32 says right there in your outlines. It says, if you abide in my word, you are what? You are truly my disciples. Can I stop right there? I know I might get in trouble here, but it's all right. Did you know there's fake disciples? Did you know there's false disciples? John says, if you abide in my word, you are truly what? My disciples. You want to know if you're really following God or not? It's, it's our experience. It's our relationship with this word. Let me get to the second good part. Look at this. This is so awesome. I know you know this verse. And you will know the truth. And the truth will what? Okay, listen to this. We all want that freedom that this verse talks about. But have you ever paid attention that Jesus said, you will know. It's what you know that sets you free. If you don't know the truth, the truth can't set you free. But first, you got to know it. You got to get it in you. See, if you want to experience the power of God's word in you, you got to choose to read it. You got to choose to get it in you. You got to choose to get to know it. One of the things that I've done for the past few years in my life is that I have made the commitment to read through God's word from cover to cover in a year. Now, I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty, okay? In fact, I'm going to remove some guilt from your life, okay? I do that because I enjoy that. I, it's one of the things that I have been doing and I want to keep doing. But I want you to know that there is not one single verse in the Bible that says you need to read the Bible in one year. You don't have to read the Bible from cover to cover in one year. It's a good habit. It's a good discipline. It's a good goal. But there's not a verse that commands us to do it. And some of you say, well, that's the reason why I don't read God's word because I can't read the Bible from cover to cover in one year. Well, here's here's why I want to set set you free from some guilt. Well, if you can't do that, do what you can. if, If you have five minutes, use those five minutes. Choose to read God's word in those five minutes. If you're not able to spend an hour in God's word, but you can do 20 minutes, do those 20 minutes. If you say, Pastor, my life is so busy with TikTok and Facebook and all that stuff that all I got is one minute, listen to me. Use that minute to get in God's word. I want you to hear me clearly. Use whatever you have. But you ready for this? Here's the second part of that, of that statement. But whatever time you use, read God's word slowly. If all you got is a minute, make sure you take that minute to read that one verse as slow 
and as serious as you can. If all you have is five minutes, don't speed read through five chapters. Read a portion of the Bible, but read it slow. Let it get in you. Just soak in it. Choose to read God's word. Did you know, did you know that the average American home owns three Bibles? Three Bibles. The majority of you, you have three Bibles. And one of those you stole from church. That's why you don't bring it to church because it has somebody else's name in it. The average American household owns three Bibles. Did you know that the average American home doesn't open the Bible throughout the week? It's not that we don't have the resources. It's that we're not choosing to take advantage of those resources. Don't let God's word sit in the shelf. Let it sit in your heart by choosing to read it. You know, in our day, we got no excuse not to get God's word in us. It's in our phones. It's on podcasts. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. I don't know how to read, Pastor. Well, listen to a podcast. I don't like podcasts because they're from the devil. Okay, find a YouTube channel that reads the Bible for you or that illustrates the Bible for you. Today in our day, we have no excuse to not choose to get God's word in us. When you're stuck in traffic, when you're at the grocery store, when you're waiting outside of your kid's school instead of listening to the radio, you can choose God's word. If you want God's word to work in you, the first thing you have to do is you have to choose to read it. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you today to pick a plan. And right now, make it mental. Say, I'm going to read one verse per day. I'm going to make sure I read one verse. And if you're saying, Pastor, I don't know where to start. Start with Proverbs. Did you know Proverbs has 31 chapters? So you could do a chapter a day if you want to. If you don't want to do a verse, but you want to do a chapter, you could do one chapter a day. Proverbs will make you a wiser person. Or what if you said, well, you know, um, I just want to get closer to God. Read Psalms. Read one Psalm per day. Psalms will get you closer to God. If you have the Bible app, which I encourage everybody to download it and have it, there's tons of plans on there. If you want to join me in reading through the Bible from cover to cover, I'll send you an invite. Let me know and you can join me. We'll read it together. But I really want to challenge you today to take the action step to schedule a daily time with God through his word. Number two, if you want to experience the power that's in God's word, the second thing you need to do is you need to choose to believe it. So first you need to choose to read it, but the second thing that you need to do is you need to choose to believe it. Faith or believing is a choice. It's a choice, it's a decision that you make. And the second thing that we need to do, if we want God's word to work in us, we need to choose to believe it's true. I I, I was talking to somebody this week, somebody called me this week, and they were sharing with me of just a, a really negative situation, a really bad accident that happened to them. And they felt like running the scene. And I love something that this person said to me. They said to me, I chose to believe that God was gonna take care of me, so I stayed that's faith to choose to choose to believe look at what psalms 119 30 says he says i have chosen the way of truth i have set my hearts on your loss 
Now, let me tell you something. Faith or believing is relational. It's relational. Faith doesn't always make sense. Faith sometimes is irrational. But faith is always relational. Friends, good friends, great friends, take their friends at their word. Right? If Manolo tells me, I'm going to be there and I'm going to pick you up a certain time, I know I can count on him because of the relationship that we have. Faith is always relational. It's always based on somebody, not on, on, on something. And to choose to believe that words God is true, it happens because we believe that God is truthful. Did you catch that? See, I know God's word is true because I know God is truthful. In fact, let me give you this quote. I think they'll put it up here in the screens. It says, biblical faith is choosing to believe something is true because you believe someone is truthful. Faith will sometimes be irrational. Faith will sometimes contradict knowledge. Faith sometimes will contradict common sense. But even in those times, you choose to believe God's word is true because you know God is true. Because you know he doesn't lie. Because you know he is all loving. Because you know he wants the best for you. I love what Paul says in 2 Timothy 1.12. Look at what it says. He says, I know whom, not what, but what, but what is it? Whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him. See, if you're going to believe God's word, you got to take a relational approach. You got to come to God and say, I believe that you are truthful. And because you are truthful, you won't lie. So whatever you say must be true. Now, let me answer this question I asked at the beginning. Do you know why everything else will pass away but not God's word? Because God's word is based on God's character. And God doesn't change. God doesn't lie. God remains forever and ever. So whatever he says will remain forever and ever, even when the earth and the heavens pass away. So if you want the word of God to work in you, the second thing you got to do is choose to believe it. And you may say, Pastor, what about my doubts? What about when the word of God says to do something, but there's just a lot of doubts in me? You want to know something? You're always going to have doubts. In fact, that's why we need faith. Faith is not the absence of doubts, but faith is choosing to not believe or act on those doubts. And it is faith what enables you to be able to go past those doubts and believe God and go after what God wants. And doubts become easier to to beat when our focus is on God. And we say, listen, I don't understand this whole thing about giving 10% of my income. I don't understand this whole thing about letting other people in my life. Listen, I don't understand this whole thing about sexual purity until marriage. I don't understand it, but I trust you. And because I trust you, I am going to believe your word and I am going to act on it. You got to choose to believe it. Do you believe? Listen, it's one thing to say we believe something, and it's another thing to really act out like what we, be- like what we say we believe is true. So if you want God's word to work in you, number one, you got to read it. 
Second, you got to believe it. Because if you don't believe it, anytime you sit down to read it, you're going to feel like it's a waste of time. But the third thing, here's the third thing. The third thing that you need to do if you want to experience the power that's in God's word working in your life, the second thing you got to do is you got to choose to declare it. You got to choose to declare it. You got to speak the word of God. You got to confess it with your mouth. But I'm going to be religious, pastor. No, you're not. You're going to be godly. The third thing, we read it. We believe it. But the third thing we got to do is we got to declare it. Who do we declare it to, pastor? Well, let me give you three things that you declare it to. Number one, you declare it to yourself. How many of you guys talk to yourselves? You know, there's nothing wrong with talking to yourselves, right? It's when you answer yourself, that's the problem. <laughs> if you're talking to yourself, you're normal. It's when you start answering yourself that, 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 that we got to pray for you or we got to help you out in some other way. How many of you guys talk to yourselves? Okay, everybody ought to raise their hand because we all talk to ourselves, okay? When you talk to yourself, what do you tell yourself? Some of you, you lie to yourselves. Oh, you look good. You're hot. You're seeing yourself with your mother's eyes, that's why. But, but listen, most of the time when we talk to ourselves, we're very negative to ourselves, right? I can't do this. I'm a failure. They're going to they're gonna cheat on me. They're not going to promote me. I'm not going to pass. Something bad's going to happen to me. So instead of speaking to yourself a bunch of negativity, begin to declare the word of God to you. I have a good father. I have a good shepherd. He's promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Even when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, what? He is with me. So you declare it to yourself. Now, You can declare to yourself what you don't know. And that's where a lot of people get in trouble because they start making up God's word. Well, God's word says good vibes. No, it doesn't. You know? That's where you got to know God's word so that you can declare it to yourself. But the second area or the second person that you declare it to is you declare it to the devil. Because he whispers at you. Because he attacks you through your thoughts, through your feelings, through circumstances. Do you remember how Jesus dealt with the devil when the devil tried to tempt him? How did he respond to him? He didn't say, cruz, cruz, you know? He responded with the word of God. He said, it is written, right? So not only do you declare God's word to yourself, but you declare it to the devil, When you see your kids acting up, you declare God's word to him and you say, no, no, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But the third area that, or the third area that you declare it to, you declare it to your problems. You declare it to your problems. Look at this passage. Look at Matthew 17, 20. Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a what? As a mustard seed. You can what? Say. 
right? You can declare, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Anybody got mountains? Amen. If you have faith, you can declare God's word. And Jesus said that if we have faith the size of a mustard seed, the mountain will what? Will move. Now, I love that it's not the other way around. Can you imagine if Jesus had said, you got to have faith the size of a mountain to move a mustard seed problem? He made it really easy for you and me. He said, if you believe just the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a big problem, but you got to say to it. And what do you say to it? You say what God says. And when we say what God says, let me tell you something. Mountains move. So we got to declare it. We declare it to ourselves. We declare it to the enemy. And we declare it to our problems. We say to our problems, move in the name of Jesus. When when your marriage is not working out, you declare God's word. When there's need in your family, you declare God's word. When you need a change in some area in your life, you declare God's word. Because God's word has power to change things. But we got to declare it. We got to declare now. Here's something else that's going to happen as you begin to declare it. When you begin to speak the word of God, it's going to change you. It's going to change the way you feel. It's going to change the way you think. It's going to change the way you see. Here's why. And I believe they'll put this up here in in the screens. Because when you say what God says, you begin to think like God thinks. When you say what God says, you begin to think like God thinks. That's why if you want the word of God to work in your life, you read it, you believe it, and you declare it. But you don't stop there. Here's the last thing you do. Okay, oh, let me stop right there. I almost missed one of my notes. Declaring it. If you are blessed to have your family Declare it in your family times. You don't have to do it every night, but at least once once a week. During this fast, we provided some books. We, we, we don't have any more printed out, but you can download it. Well, you can have a family time. Begin to dialogue God's word with your, with your loved ones. And not just if you have little ones. If you got teenagers, if you got grown-ups that are married and all, and they're still living with you, declare God's word to them. Talk about God's word. And if you say, Pastor, my family is just not available for that for whatever reason. Well, we have a second option for you. Join a life group because that's what we do at life rooms, don't we? We dialogue God's word. We declare God's word. We, We talk about God's word. We learn about God's word. If you are not in a life group, let me tell you something. One of my biggest wishes for you is that you would get in one. Because not only are you gonna grow in your relationship with God, but you're also gonna grow in your relationship with others. And we all need other people in our lives. So when it comes to declaring it, do it in your household and also join a life group. But number four, and here's the really important one. This is, this is the key to it. The other three build up to this point. If you want God's word to work in your life, the fourth thing you gotta do is you got to choose to act on it. You got to choose to act on it. If you do the first three, but you hold back on the fourth one, you will not see the full effectiveness of the power of God's word in your life. You need to choose 
to act on it. We need to live like we believe God's word is true. So let me ask you a couple of questions once again, not to make you feel guilty, but to get you to reflect. Are you living out God's word in your choices? Are you living it out in the way you live in your lifestyle? Because we prove we believe what we believe by how we live. See, that, that, that's where a lot of people come short. Because if you really want God's word to work in you, you got to act on it. You got to live it out. You really have to live like you believe it's true. Look at what James says in, one, in James 1.22. And he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What does he say? Do what it says. If you show up on Sundays and you listen to the word of God, but then you walk out of here on Monday through Saturday and you live like you didn't hear anything. Let me tell you something. You are fooling yourself. And you are fooling yourself and you're cutting yourself short from God's power working in your life. Because I, I love the illustration that Dr. Tony Evan gives. He says, see, Sundays, Sundays, uh, when we come together as believers, it's like when football teams huddle, right? If you're into football, which today the Rams are going to win, right? Well, if you're into football, if you're into football, before a team does a play, what they do is that they get together. It's called a huddle. They have a time together, and they say, okay, what's the action plan? What are we going to do? How are we going to go about it? And then after the huddle, they line up, and they execute the play. Now, let me tell you, all of us that watch football, we don't watch football for the huddle. We watch it. For the place. The world doesn't need to see our huddles. They need to see our place. They don't need to see us getting together on Sunday saying the word of God says this. They need to see us Monday through Saturday acting out what we heard on Sunday. So this is the huddle. As soon as you leave, leave this place, that's the play. And that's where the power of God is best at work when we act out, when we choose to live out what we believe. Listen, when you act, and I believe you can fill this out in your outlines, when you act on God's word, God's word will act on you. When you act on God's word, God's word will act on you. When you choose to, to live out, when you choose to act what God says, then what God has says will begin to act and be a reality in your life. Look at this story. Look at the story. I, I mean, I'm getting ready to finish. Matthew 7, 20, 24 through 27, the story Jesus said. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not what? Listen to me. Being a mature Christian doesn't mean you don't have problems. But you know what it means? That your problems don't destroy you. For, for over 15 years, I have followed the Lord in my walking. And over those 15 years, I have had serious problems. But my problems have never taken me out. Why? Because my life is grounded on the word of God. 
If problems come and then you skip church, it's because your house wasn't built on the rock. If problem comes and then suddenly you go back to who you used to be before Christ found you, your life isn't built on the rock. Problems are not a sign that you are not built on the rock, but the sign that you are built on the rock is that when those problems come, you remain stable. That's what Jesus taught. And it says, yet it did not fall because its foundation, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And it, and it fell with what? A great crash. Let me give you five quick lessons about this passage when it comes to acting out on God's word. Number one. Every one of us is building a life. Everyone. Whether you believe in God or not, you are building a life. We are all building a life. Okay? Whether you think God is real or not, this is still true of you. Everyone is building a life. Okay? And the question is, what are you building that life on? What is your foundation? Young people, listen to me. I know you may not be as interested in God right now. But right now you are beginning to make some of the biggest choices in your life that are going to set the foundation for the rest of your life. And the choices you make right now will determine the type of life you have in the future. So whether you believe in God or not, you are still building a life. And whatever you build it upon will determine the kind of life you will have. Number two, here's the second lesson. A storm is always coming. A storm is always coming. Whether you are close to God or not, a storm is always coming. The same storm hit the wise as well as the foolish. That's just part of life. Jesus said that in this life, we will have trouble. A storm is always coming. And see, if you know that a storm is coming, the wise person builds its life on solid foundation. But the foolish man, doesn't always understand that a storm is coming. So that's why, well, I got to do what feels good. I got to go with what feels right. And then the storm comes and they're a mess. Because a storm is always coming. Which leads me to the third point. The wise man believes in storms. The fool does not. How do you know the wise man believes in storms? Because he built his house on a solid foundation. The fourth lesson is that the house that falls, falls when it's needed most. And isn't that true? The, the house that fell, fell when it was needed the most, when the winds were blowing and the storm was raging, when shelter was needed, when protection was needed, when warmth was needed, the house that fell was not able to provide that. And last but not least, this is a big one. Don't wait for the storm to start building on the right foundation. Those of you that work in construction, you know that you can't work when it rains. You got to do your work before the rain comes. So act on God's word, and God's word will act on you. Now, let me finish with this. I promise you I'm done. I want to help those of you that say, Pastor, I have a really hard time spending time in God's word. I get on there and I don't understand what I'm reading. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what it means. I don't, like, I walk more confused than trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, okay? If that's you, I want to give you a very simple approach that helped me, okay? Now, this is something that everybody can do, 
But I also want to let you know that if you want to learn to study God's word better, we also offer not just life groups, but two other options. At 8 a.m., we have an adult's Bible study. And it's not just for men. Ladies, you could come. Young people, you could come. And you can sit around the table and learn to study God's word by being around other people. If you're a gentleman, right? And not just with gray hair or bald, but if you're a man of any age, Sundays at 12 o'clock, we have a men's discipleship. And that's another opportunity for you to be able to be around people studying and learning how to interpret God's word, okay? But I wanna give you an approach that anybody can use, especially if you're starting off. And it's, it's a Bible study called SOAP. And in your outlines, I added an insert. And in the front, it says SOAP. And in the back, there's an example. And uh, SOAP, it's an acronym uh, for four steps to reading God's word. Now, SOAP, you know what SOAP is. And look at what John 15, 3 says. It says, you are made what? Clean by the words that I have spoken to you. So God's word is like a soap that cleanses our life from sin and filth and all the junk that uh, goes on in our life. So let me tell you what this, what this acronym soap is. The S, and you can fill this out in your outline, stands for scripture. If you got 15 minutes, if that's all you got to spend in time in God's word, you begin by choosing a scripture. Pick one. Whatever it is, however long as you want it to be, the shorter, the better. And you read that scripture, not just once, but maybe twice, possibly three times. And if you want to go deeper, one of the beauties, one of the things that I do is that I like to read one passage in many versions. So first you begin with scripture. You get God's word in. O, and you can fill this out in your outline, stands for observation. After you've read it, you stop and you ask some questions. Who was this written to? Why was it written? What is the main point that the author is trying to make here? What specific words stand out? What's happening? You stop for a few minutes and you ask questions and you allow God's word to answer them. And then A stands for application. After you've read it, after you've made some observations, then you say, okay, what does God want me to do with this? What is one thing I could do? What is one thing I could change? What is one application that I could make because of what I've read today? And let me tell you something. Ready for this? The smaller the change, the better. Sometimes we go for big changes and that's why we don't do them. But if you make 20 small changes consistently, you'll get to a big change, right? Scripture, observation, application, and then you end with prayer. You pause and you pray. By the way, can I tell you something that I always do before I go into God's word? I always make a quick prayer and I always say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to understand and see what you need me to see before I go into God's word? Because the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He wrote it, so he knows what it means. Amen? So that's an easy approach. Um, in the front, I put a description. In the back is a sample. You could take any journal, any... Uh, I had this one in my office. If anybody wants it, they could take it. And you could do that. Every time you sit to do God's word, you do so. Scripture, um, observation, application, and prayer. And when you pray, you pray that verse. You could pray that verse. 
you say, Lord, here's what I want to pray. Insert your name in that verse. Or maybe pray, Lord, pray that this would, I pray that this would be a reality. Spend at least a minute or two. If you do that consistently, let me tell you something. God's word will work in your life and will bring enormous changes that I know you deeply and desperately want. Are you with me? Amen. I'll end with this as Pastor Manolo gets ready to come up here. I know nowadays everything's digital, but one of my favorite quotes regarding the Bible is that the Bibles that are falling apart usually belong to people that are not. <coughs> when a Bible is falling apart, it's usually because it belongs to somebody whose life is not. But if your Bible is nice and crisp, it usually means your, bi- your life may be falling apart. There's great power in God's word because God is all powerful. Amen. Bow your head with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love for us. I pray that today we would take the action of choosing to get in your word every day for a minute, two, 30, an hour, more whatever time we can, that we would choose to get into it. But also, Lord, that we would choose to believe what we read. That we would choose to believe it because we believe you. And that we would declare it. That instead of talking about politics or chismes or so many other foolish things, that we would declare God's word. But Lord, that we would live it. That we would live it in our marriage. That we would live it in our parenting that we would live it out at work, that we would live it out on social media, that we would live it out in our schools. And Lord, that as we do that, the power that created the heavens and the earth when you said, let there be light, that same power would transform our lives and make us into all that we were created to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare Him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart, and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but He didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in Him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.